0: Welcome to More Than Medicine, where Jesus is more than enough for the ills that plague our culture and our country. Hosted by author and physician, Dr. Robert Jackson. Papa, can you tell me a story? Do you really want me to tell you a story? (laughs) Well, you go get your brother and your sisters, and I will tell you a story. Welcome to Devotions with Dr. Papa. Well, gather around, children, grab your Bibles, and let's look into the written Word of God, which reveals to us the living Word, which is our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, let me start by telling you a story. I had a patient a number of years ago who came to see me, who was a a 30 to 35-year-old grown man, and he was literally in tears when he came to see me, and he had this story to tell me. He said, Dr. Jackson, I have been an angry man all of my life, and I'm constantly losing my temper. He said, my family is afraid of me. My wife is afraid of me. My children are afraid of me because I'm constantly shouting and cursing and losing my temper. And he said, I'm ashamed to say this, but I lost my job just last week because of losing my temper. So I looked at him a little bit, and finally I said, well, tell me about that. Well, it turns out he was a policeman for a small town near my hometown, and he had made a routine traffic stop. There was a husband and wife and two small children in a minivan, and when he pulled them over, the father made a smart remark to him, and he lost his cool. And he went to his police cruiser, got his AR, his automatic rifle, came back to the minivan, fired off two shots into the air, and then pointed that thing at the father. Well, as you can imagine, the father reported him, and he immediately lost his job. So there he is sitting in my office, ashamed and embarrassed at what he had done, ashamed that he had lost a good job, and then he admitted to me, Dr. Jackson, I could have easily have shot that man right in front of his wife and children because I was so out of control. Well, he and I talked for about 15 to 20 minutes. He was convinced that he had a psychiatric problem. But as we talked, it became apparent to me that he he had no features of a psychiatric problem. This man simply had an uncontrolled and violent temper. He was an angry man. He had been an angry man for years. And he had never learned to control his violent temper. Well, keep that in your mind, and let's look at a scripture. If you remember, we started a couple of weeks ago talking about the upside-down house, the upside-down values of the kingdom of God. Remember, when Jesus was talking to Pilate, he said, My kingdom is not of this world. And more than that, as Jesus taught, he made it plain that the values of his kingdom were different from the kingdom of this world. And in fact, the values and principles that Jesus outlined for his kingdom are diametrically opposed to the values and principles of the kingdom of this world. Let's look at a scripture that appears in the Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus is talking about relationships. He's talking about how we relate to one another. And he starts by saying, You have heard that the ancients were told. Now, when Jesus starts with that phrase, You have heard, he is iterating the old values. Now, this value that he's fixing to to share with us is a biblical standard, but it's still a value of the kingdoms of this world Because the Pharisees had extrapolated that value and added to it tradition. And their tradition was a value of the kingdom of this world. Now listen to what he says. He says, you have heard that the ancients were told you shall not commit murder. Where did that come from? (laughs) Well, that's the Ten Commandments. It's one of them. You shall not commit murder and whoever commits murder shall be liable to the court. Now, that's the tradition of the Pharisees, and it's an extension of you shall not commit murder. Now, so far, there's nothing wrong with that. Then Jesus says, but I say to you, whenever you hear Jesus say, but I say to you, he is establishing a new and higher standard. He is transcending the value of the kingdom of this world. He is transcending and establishing the values of the kingdom of God. And let's ask a question. Can he do that? Well, of course he can. He's the son of God. He's God incarnate, God in the flesh. He is the ruler of the kings of all the earth. He is the judge of all the earth. He is the righteous judge. He can establish the values of the kingdom of heaven. And when he says, but I say unto you, Jesus has the authority to iterate the values of his kingdom. Remember, he said to Pilate, my kingdom is not of this world. Jesus has his own kingdom. He has the values that belong to his kingdom. He has the authority to establish those values. So he goes on to say, but I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother shall be guilty before the court. And whoever says to his brother, you good for nothing, shall be guilty before the Supreme Court. And whoever says you fool shall be guilty enough to go into the fiery hell. My goodness, what kind of standard is that? You see, that's an impossible standard. Who can live by that standard? Well, let's just establish this from the very outset. None of us can live by that standard. If the Spirit of God does not live within us, none of us can live by the values of the kingdom of God. And that's why those standards are so high, because when Jesus establishes standards that are so high, it makes us cry out to God for supernatural spiritual help. It makes us realize our desperate need for a Savior and a Deliverer. And in fact, In the verse just before this, Jesus said to them, I say to you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. Listen, you cannot even become a member of the kingdom of which Jesus is the supreme ruler unless your righteousness exceeds that of the Pharisees and the scribes. And I'm sure the folks looking on began to scratch their heads, and they began to look at one another. Their eyes bugged out, their jaws dropped, because the Pharisees were the epitome of righteousness. They were the standard for righteousness in that day. And yet Jesus was saying to them, unless your righteousness exceeds that, of the scribes and Pharisees, you cannot enter into the kingdom of heaven. So what can we do? What What can you and I do if we ever hope to enter the kingdom of heaven? Hey, that's why you need Jesus. That's why you need a deliverer. That's why you need a Savior. And listen, that's why you need the imputed righteousness of God. And you see, that's the beauty of salvation, because the Bible tells us that when you and I become believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, that He imparts to us, He imputes to us the very righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ. As a gift, as a free gift, He wraps us in a snow-white robe of the righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ. And our righteousness is not our own. There are no deeds of righteousness that we have done that assuages the wrath of God towards our sin. It's a gift that God imparts to us when we, by faith, receive Jesus Christ as our only Savior. And we are washed in the blood, the blood of Jesus Christ, and we are made clean. We're made pure by the blood, and God imparts to us this righteousness of Jesus Christ that in fact does exceed that of the scribes and the Pharisees. Well, let's look again at this standard that Jesus establishes. He says, don't be angry. Now, Jesus talks to his disciples a little further on in Matthew 15, and he tells them that out of the heart, Come evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, slanders. He said, these are the things which defile the man. But to eat with unwashed hands does not defile the man. You see, he had just had a debate with the religious leaders about washing of hands. And they were taking him and his disciples to task because they had eaten without washing their hands. And you see, they had made this whole issue of ceremonial washing to be the standard of the kingdom of this world and jesus told them said look guys it's it's more important than that ceremonial washing is just an external standard but really in the kingdom of heaven it's the heart that matters the heart is the heart of the matter it's what's in your heart that really matters before god And he told them that it's not what goes into your body that defiles a man. It's what comes out of the mouth. Because you see what comes out of your mouth emits from where? (laughs) You're right. From your heart. And he says, out of the heart comes evil thought, murders. Now listen, why does Jesus say that we should not be angry? Well, you understand it. Because anger evolves into malice. Malice evolves into violence. And sometimes violence becomes murder. And that's why he says to us that we shouldn't be angry. Do not be angry, he says, for you'll be liable to the court. And whoever says to his brother, you good for nothing shall be liable for the Supreme Court. And whoever says you fool shall be guilty enough to go into the fiery hell. Now listen, I came outside of a retail outlet one time and there were two men in the parking lot surrounded by a whole crowd of people and they were having a cussing fight i mean they were cussing each other for all that they were worth and the crowd was standing there just watching and as they were going along they they were both just going back and forth they had their fists balled up and their and their hands out like they were going to get involved in fisty cups. And they just went back and forth. One would cuss the other, and the other would cuss him back. And they were just escalating up the ladder of, of profanity. And finally, one of the guys just ran out of things to say. He, he couldn't think of another more profane thing to say. And he stood there blubbering and spitting. And finally, he just said, you, 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 you stupid head. Well, when he said that, the whole crowd burst out laughing. Well, I burst out laughing too. I hadn't heard anybody called stupid head since I was in elementary school. Well, when he said that, the guy with whom he was involved in the verbal altercation looked at him and he started laughing as well. And he stuck out his hand. The two of them shook hands. They patted each other on the shoulders, turned around, and walked away. (laughs) Well, you see, what had happened if these two men had not had this laughing matter at the end of their verbal altercation. You see, their profane shouting at one another could have escalated to violence. And that violence could have turned into severe physical violence or even murder right there in the parking lot of a retail outlet. And where did it start? Well, it started with somebody being angry. Somebody was angry about something. And Jesus told us that out of the heart come evil thoughts and murders. So the heart is the heart of the matter. Now, if you remember in the book of Ephesians, the first three chapters are Bible teaching, doctrine. The last three chapters are teaching us how to live out, how to walk out our faith, being filled with Holy Spirit. Well, let me look at a couple of verses that amplifies what Jesus was trying to tell us when he says not to be angry. In, in Ephesians, Paul was telling the, the, the church at a feet in, in Ephesus, he says, you didn't learn Christ in this way. He's talking about the old way of life. If indeed you have heard him and have been taught in him, just as truth is in Jesus, that in reference to your Former manner of life, the old way you live. You lay aside the, the old self, which is being corrupted in accordance with the lust of deceit, and that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Now, there you go. We're starting to understand some things here. You must be renewed in the spirit of your mind and put on the new self, which in the likeness of God has been created in righteousness and holiness of the truth. So there's a laying aside or putting off the old self and then putting on the new self. Now, some of you who are still baby Christians, you know exactly what, what I'm talking about here. When you become a Christian, you you immerse yourself in a brand new subculture, don't you? You have to leave some old friends, sometimes old family members. You have to leave old ways of talking old ways of thinking, and you have to learn a brand new playbook. You have a brand new coach. Jesus is now the coach, and he has a playbook, and you have to read the Bible, and you have to learn that that whole new playbook. And you start learning new words like righteousness and salvation and justice and sanctification, and there's a whole new terminology that you have to learn, and then you have to learn to connect with and affiliate With a new family the family of god and that transition is tough you're putting off the old and you're putting on the new and you have to be renewed in the spirit of your mind you have to start thinking in an entirely different way but it says that you've been created in righteousness and holiness of the truth see when you become a believer you're created to be totally different in this new kingdom of god now pay close attention he says therefore Laying aside falsehood, speak truth, each one of you with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. So there's a speaking, speaking truth. And then it says, be angry and yet do not sin. But I thought Jesus told us not to be angry. Well, there's two different kinds of anger that we have to learn. There's carnal anger, and then there's righteous anger. Indignation. There's righteous anger. But remember, Jesus was the holy son of God, but he was angry in the temple. You remember that? When he turned over the tables of all the money changers and he took a little whip of and, 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 and he took a whip and just ran them out of the temple. He was angry. Do you think Jesus sinned at that point when he was angry? Of course not. You see, the reason why you're angry is what's important. Most of the time when you and I get angry, we're angry because somebody has licked the red off of our candy. Think about it. Isn't that correct? Usually when you and I are angry, somebody has violated our rights. Somebody has offended us because they've interfered with our plans, our desire, our ambition, and they have frustrated us in some way. And I'm angry Because my rights have been violated. When Jesus was angry, he was upset because someone had violated the justice of God and offended the holiness and righteousness of his heavenly Father and had converted his Father's house, which was supposed to be a house of prayer for all the nations, into a den of robbers. He was offended for his Father's sake for his father's house, not for anything that had violated him personally, even though it was a personal offense because he was God. But you see, there's a difference between righteous indignation and carnal anger. Now, is there a proper time for you and me to be angry? Of course there is. I should be angry about the murder of unborn children and the violation of their rights and the denying of to them of, of justice. I should be angry about sex trafficking of young women, the physical abuse of, of children by pedophiles. There are all manner of issues in our culture where the rights of other people are being denied to them, where their justice is not being imparted to them. And I should be angry about that. Now listen, righteous indignation always results in righteous action. Jesus was not just angry on behalf of His Father, but He drove them out of the temple. It resulted in righteous action. And He turned over their tables, He got a whip, and He drove them out of the temple. It resulted in righteous action. And it's not enough for you and me just to be grieved in our heart over abortion and pedophilia and sex trafficking. Righteous indignation drives you and me to righteous action action. And you see, that's why I've been involved in the pro-life movement for the last 40 years, because of the righteous indignation that burns in my heart on behalf of unborn children. And your righteous indignation is justified, but it should lead you to be involved in some way in a movement to right the wrongs, to stand up for the widows and the orphans, and the poor, and those whose rights are being denied to them. So be angry, and yet do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger without doing something about it. And it says, do not give the devil an opportunity. Don't give Satan a toehold in your life. Do not allow carnal anger to have even a brief moment's respite in your heart. And then he goes on to say, let all bitterness and wrath, and anger, and clamor, and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Why is Paul telling the Ephesians to put away these things? Because these are the things that if they are left to nurture and grow in your heart, they may lead to physical violence. They may lead to murder. And that's why he says to to let bitterness, and wrath, and anger, and clamor, and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Contrarywise, he says, be kind to one another, tender-hearted, and forgiving one another, even as God in Christ also has forgiven you. That's the standard of the kingdom of God, being tender-hearted, being forgiven, forgiving, and realizing that we should forgive because God first forgave us. Now, How do we do this? Go back to what I said in the beginning. The only way you and I can live this way is if the Spirit of God is active in our hearts. We must first be born again into the kingdom of God, transferred from the domain of darkness into the kingdom of God's beloved Son. That's a spiritual transaction that only happens when you and I confess our sin, repent of our sin, and receive the Lord Jesus Christ. And then the Spirit of God transfers us from Satan's kingdom into God's kingdom. Holy Spirit comes to live in our heart, and He begins the process of sanctification. And in that process, he begins to produce his fruit in our lives. The Bible says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness. And the last one is, you got it, self-control. Now go back to the police officer that I spoke of in the very beginning. He needs a fruit of the Spirit. He needs self-control. Some of you listening to me today have a long-standing issue with uncontrolled anger, an uncontrolled tongue. And I'm telling you up front that you don't need medication. You don't need a psychiatrist. You need the Spirit of God to be at work in your life. You need to abide in the Word, abide in prayer. Every day, submit yourself to the indwelling power of Holy Spirit, if in fact you have been born again into the kingdom of God, and over time the Spirit of God gives you a bridle for your tongue, and He will remove from your heart that carnal anger. It's a spiritual transition. It doesn't happen in a minute. It happens over time. That's the process of sanctification. But the Spirit of God does that for us. The fruit of the Spirit is self-control. And I challenge you to spend time in the Word. I challenge you to spend time in prayer. Ask God to take away the anger. Every time you lose control, you stop immediately and ask forgiveness. Immediately ask Holy Spirit to rule over your soul and over your tongue and over your emotions. And over time... The Spirit of God will begin to take away the temper, the uncontrolled tongue, and He will replace it with a Spirit-controlled temperament. Well, you're now listening to Devotions with Dr. Papa. We're going through the values of the kingdom of God that cause you and me to live so differently from the households around us. In fact, it gives us an upside-down house. Next week, we'll begin again, and we'll talk more about the values of the kingdom of God and the upside-down house that should be your life and mind. If you like what you're hearing, please like it, follow it, share it, tell your friends about it. I don't advertise in any way. My only advertisement is word of mouth. I depend upon you to tell your friends and family. Thank you kindly, and may the Lord bless you real good. Thank you for listening to this edition of More Than Medicine. For more information about the Jackson Family Ministry, Dr. Jackson's books, or to schedule a speaking engagement, go to their Facebook page, Instagram, or their webpage at jacksonfamilyministry.com. This podcast is produced by Bob Sloan Audio Production at bobsloan.com.